Tactical sports take. Inbound. Who the fuck is that guy? Beat him off. Stomp on his head as he's unconscious. Five-tool commentator. <laughs> he's the Willie Mays of sports <laughs> broadcasting. It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Owen Ely Show. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. We've got a great one for you today here on this Saturday, January 15th, as we look to preview UFC Fight Night Cater versus Chikadze, which will take place in uh, a few hours, handful of hours, from the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, as always, great to be back with you guys. Got a banner day of sports uh, on this uh, Saturday. Well, really wild card weekend super wild card weekend we got the ufc returning after um what feels like five months without uh ufc events or really mma i mean it's been uh, the dark ages uh i didn't uh i didn't kill myself so you know we're here it's all it's all good you know it's it's always scary when the ufc is uh is not there for four weeks uh, i don't know how i did it probably just banged my head uh against a wall continuously for uh a couple fortnights, but it is what it is. We're back, uh, and it's not a very good card. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, and we'll obviously uh, get into the predictions here. A very small fight card as well. We got 10 fights uh, on this fight card. We actually have more canceled bouts uh, than we have, uh, well, bouts that are actually going to happen, and who knows how many fall out uh, by the time we, we get there. So relatively short card. Uh, I will not be watching this card. I'll be watching uh, the the two uh, wild card games, but uh, I'll definitely um, go back on uh, ESPN Plus and uh, rewatch it, or maybe I'll maybe I'll watch the main event. Uh, but yeah, this is a uh, this is a UFC card, and that's about all you can say about it because uh, it uh, does not have star power, and I really can't blame them because why would you why would you stack this card? on wildcard weekend i mean that's just fucking stupid nobody's going to tune into this anyway um we have updated rankings they've been updated for a while um that's pretty much it we don't really have a whole lot of housekeeping other than uh, i did the uh, nfc north recap and uh, playoff preview with uh, reagan hooverman so uh, be sure to check that out uh, because it's always exciting to have Reagan on the show. It's been quite some time since we've had Reagan on the show, and it's always a, a delight. It's always a delight. It always goes way longer than we thought. I think it went like three and a half hours. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. We got to get Drew back on the show as well. It's probably been like a year and a half since we've had Drew uh, on the show. So, you know, we'll we'll, we'll figure we'll figure out something. Uh, but without further to do, as, uh, as some people might say, uh, let's get right into this. So obviously we're starting off here with the main event, Calvin Cater, Giga Chikadze here in the featherweight division. Uh, Cater 22 and 5, Chikadze 14 and 2. Uh, I believe the UFC has Cater at 5, 
and Chikadze at 8. We have Cater at 6 and Chikadze at 7. Or they might even have Chikadze at 10, now that I think about it. Um, that's why you got to check out our rankings, because they're the correct ones, which, of course, you can find at northstarsports.media. Um... We'll take a look at the odds, just remembering the uh, the order we're going through. It's been so long, I don't even know if I have it anymore. I mean, maybe, I, maybe I'm washed up. Maybe I've lost my uh, my, my previewing skills. They, they just um, atrophied after uh, four weeks of not doing it. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just out here winging it. Um, we got Chikazi as the minus 230 favorite. I'd say that's pretty fair. I might even have him as, uh, as, as, a, as a slightly bigger... Uh, favorite. I really like uh, Giga Chikadze, and I think this is a, a rough fight for Calvin Cater to come back to. Um, I don't know. Obviously, people are going to start the discussion. The, the, the discussion starts and stops when you talk about these two fighters with their striking. I mean, that's, that's obvious. But I want to start off with the wrestling to say I don't know what's going to happen with the wrestling. I don't think there's going to be any, any wrestling. Uh, I just want to get that out of the way because if we're in for a 25-minute striking match between Calvin Cater and Giga Chikadze, a 25-minute kickboxing match between these two, how do I how do I not pick the kickboxer and Giga Chikadze? Like it's 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 almost as simple as that. Calvin Cater is a boxer. He has two hands, just like Yoel Romero, and Giga Chikadze is a kickboxer. So <laughs> like just just by that sheer fact, I'm going to pick Giga Chikadze, and I have plenty of more ammunition as to why I'm picking Giga, but it's like, okay, like, Calvin can hit you with a jab and uh, a left hook and uh, an uppercut, and, and Giga can uh, kick at all three levels. And especially with Calvin Cater, because Calvin Cater, um, I assume he's improved at this, but to be frank, I don't know. I don't I don't know if Calvin Cater can check a kick. He certainly could not check a kick when he fought uh, Hinato Moicano back at UFC 223. Just got his legs beat up by by Moicano, who's not Moicano's an okay striker. Obviously, his his bread and butter is is jujitsu, but just beat up those legs. Uh, he he uh, struggled against Zabit. Obviously, the th- the thing with Calvin Cater is he's tough, and we saw that in the Holloway fight. We saw it in the Zabit fight. He's tough, and he's not gonna he's not gonna give up. So he's always gonna be there in the fight, so long as he's not uh, not finished. And he's only ever been finished once uh, in in his entire career, and that was back in 2008. So if Max Holloway can't finish Calvin Cater, I'm not gonna pick Giga to finish him. Although I think it's possible. I mean, how many Giga kicks can one liver take? You know, like either you can take it or you can't take it. Like that's just kind of how it is. Like you don't. Your, your body doesn't really give you a choice like so you know it it is possible I mean Max Holloway doesn't have the the one punch or one kick potential like Giga does um, that, that's not to say that Max isn't like powerful but obviously Max is a volume striker you know he's not he's not known for being Rumble Johnson and just putting people out with with one whereas we have seen Giga walk off on people you know, not not flatlining him, but obviously, you know, the Giga kick on on uh, on Kevin Swanson on, uh, on on Cub Swanson. Um, but I'm I'm not predicting a finish here. But it's just Calvin Cater's got two hands, 
and, and Giga's got punches, kicks. I actually think he's an underrated striker with with uh, with with his hands, an underrated boxer. But certainly the the kicks, all three levels. I mean, that's just going to be tough for Calvin Cater. He's a tough guy, so I, I think he'll survive it. But it's just his legs are going to be absolutely fucked after this fight. I can I can promise that. Win, loser, draw. Calvin Cater's legs are, are just going to be put through a fucking car crash. I mean that that's a given. Uh, Giga's got a, a two-inch uh, reach advantage. He's an inch taller, uh, if that matters. But you know, I, I just think Calvin Cater's um, he, he's reached as far as he can reach unless he makes some really big changes. Like I don't want to like I don't want to say he's never going to do anything because there's al- there's obviously always room for people to grow. But from what I've seen from Calvin Cater through throughout his his career. This is as far as he's getting. He's he's really he's he's topped out. He's not an elite fighter. He's not a great fighter. He's just he's a good fighter. He's a good fighter. He's a good striker. Has some powerful punches and he's tough as shit. And you know you're 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 gonna know you fought Calvin Cater. Um, but you know I look at a guy who's 33, um, and, and he's he's just he's just shown limitations. I mean, and and you really see that in his biggest fights. Uh, you know, he has, he has a couple of nice wins over Ige, Jeremy Stevens, Ricardo Lamas, but really the three biggest fights he's ever been in, Moicano, uh, which in hindsight doesn't seem like that big of a fight, but that was kind of like his, uh, his his big introduction uh, to, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, relevancy. Uh, the Zabit was a main event. He lost that one, and he just got smoked by Max Holloway. And he's coming back uh, almost a year later to the date because that fight was on the 16th. He's coming back 364 days uh, later. And he was really messed up by that Holloway fight. I, I remember reading some reports. I don't want to like misquote anything, but I remember hearing that he was fucked up for quite some time after that fight. I mean, what's what's the difference between Giga and, and Max Holloway? You know what I mean? Like, obviously there is a difference, but it's like, well, here's... I mean, I, Giga's not the, necessarily the volume striker that Max Holloway is, but it's like, well, you're going up against two really, really good strikers uh, in, in Holloway and Chikadze, and you're going to try to outstrike them. I mean, I really think we're, we're Calvin Cater's probably in for the same result as the Holloway fight. Maybe not as bad, because I think Holloway's better, but... Like I think Giga's gonna run away with this. I just I don't I don't really know how he um, how he beats him. I guess he I guess he knocks him out. But uh, you know Giga's a smart striker. Three point seven six significant strikes per minute landed. Only gets hit with two point six nine. That's pretty good. Sixty one percent significant strike defense. That's really good. Calvin Cater gets hit with eight point one six significant strikes per minute. I mean he just gets brutalized. He gets outstruck. Uh, by uh, a differential of about three per minute. I mean, that is just not sustainable uh, in any facet for your career, for your health in an individual fight. That's just that's just not you're not ever going to win a fight when you're getting outstruck uh, that badly. Uh, really good takedown defense for Calvin Cater. I don't think that factors in here. So uh, I'm going to go Giga Chikadze by unanimous decision. Wouldn't shock me wouldn't shock me if Giga finished him with like a Giga kick or or something or Cater's legs after 23 minutes of getting just put through the ringer give out or or something but 
you know, Cater's, Cater's tough, and, and uh, I, I am going to stick by my prediction of a Giga Chikadze unanimous decision victory. All right, we're going to move on here to the worst co-main event I have ever seen. This is probably the worst co-main event I have ever seen between the prototype, how absolutely ironic uh, is that, Jake Collier versus the Vanilla Gorilla Chase Sherman. Uh, that's a really good nickname. It is a really good nickname. I like the nickname. Uh, unfortunately, it's wasted on a uh, terrible fighter. And uh, we all know the original Vanilla Gorilla is uh, Joel Prisbilla. Um, I really don't have a whole lot to say on this one because it's two fat bozos who uh, I, I, have, I have no idea why, why they're in the UFC. And the biggest thing that pisses me off about Collier and Sherman as a co-main event is you know the only reason it's a co-main event is because it's two heavyweights and I fucking hate when the UFC does that like like Juan Adams Juan Adams when he was like 3-1 and one, was on a pay-per-view uh, main card against I forget who Justin Taffa or something just because he's a heavyweight like oh boy like people will tune in to Collier and Sherman you know even though they're bums because it's heavyweights we love heavyweight fights boy you know I you, you, you say Jake Collier and Chase Sherman, that doesn't ring a bell, but oh, two heavyweights? Gotta put them in the co-main event. I mean, people love two fat bums just, you know, swinging wildly. And I've said this before, and I don't even I don't really think it's that hot of a take, but I think it might get some pushback from uh, f- uh, fans, I guess. But when you think about it, heavyweight fights objectively are the worst by division. There's no division that has worse fights than heavyweights. Heavyweights suck. Like, um, there are good heavyweight fighters, no doubt about it. Like, if you, and and I'm amazed when I see fighters like this, like, a fighter that really amazes me is Cyril Ghosn. Cyril Ghosn amazes me because he's, like, 6'4", 6'5", 245, 50, 55 maybe pounds, and he's, he's springy. He moves well, he has good footwork. He's not a he's not a slugger. He's he's uh, he's a sniper. He's very good at at, at um, you know managing distance. He's got good takedown defense, good takedown offense. Mixes in elbows and knees. Um, he's the he's the total package. He's he's very impressive. He's probably the most impressive heavyweight to watch. But that is so not the norm. If you think if you look at the heavyweight division right now, there are probably five good fighters in the heavyweight division. There's Stipe, Francis, Cyril, Curtis Blades, and I would throw Volkov in that mix. In that mix, everybody else is just a fat person who has no cardio, no wrestling, no skills. They're just fat with no cardio, and they have power because they weigh they they weigh in at the heavyweight limit. Like you know what I mean. Like, Der- like, Derek Lewis has power. What what else does he have? And that's that's the most high end example you can find because obviously he he has a lot of wins. Derek Lewis has no cardio, no wrestling, no jujitsu. Uh, he's he doesn't even like engage in fighting. He just sits there and waits for uh, you know a, a counter shot. Derek Lewis is the most boring heavyweight fighter of all time, uh, until or unless he gets a knockout. But up until that point, he is incredibly boring. Like every Jairzinho, 
Jairzinho has no skills. He he just has power and just looks to counter. Like heavyweight is terrible. Whereas you look at like for me, the most ideal divisions are like lightweight and welterweight, and it's not even because there's good fighters in those divisions, and and it's not even just because there's bad fighters at heavyweight. It's it's because there's the ebbs and flows of a division. So you know if if a bunch of really great fighters retire at lightweight, lightweight's still an awesome division because you're you're light enough to where you have good cardio and can go 25 minutes, but you're heavy enough to where you can land one punch power. And the the average male, if they were to fight, would probably fight at, at lightweight or welterweight. I mean, you're going to get people from, you know, like five foot six to six foot two in, the, in those divisions. So, you know, the, the, majority of of human males are gonna are gonna fight in in that division uh and obviously there's a wide degree of of uh variance with any division but it's like even even like flyweight where you have no power yeah at least you got skill in like watching demetrius johnson like you're you're not held down by gravity so heavyweight is objectively terrible because it's just it's people like jake collier and chase sherman jake collier by the way is a middleweight he is a middleweight who uh, I don't know just doesn't care about his body and comes in at the at the heavyweight limit. Chase Sherman uh, has absolutely no chin, so I'm not even gonna pick a winner or loser in this one because I'm just getting pissed off talking about it. I I don't give a shit. I will if I end up watching this uh, fight card. I I will certainly not watch this one. I hope honestly what I hope happens is uh, they both land a punch at the same time and they both get viciously knocked out like uh mitrione and, and fedor except only if they didn't get up and uh you know had to be had to be stretchered off or something all righty let's uh move on here to an actual fight that actually features two ufc fighters who aren't fat bozos uh which and this fight should have been the co-main we got brandon royval taking on hajerio bonterine uh in the flyweight division um, let's see here. Royval will be number five, Monterine number seven. I'm sure there's a slight disagreement on our side. We got Royval, well, Royval at six, Monterine at seven, so kind of in lockstep there. Uh, looking at the odds for this one, Royval's the minus 170 favorite. Um, it, it should be it should be a good fight. I, I really don't know who's going to win uh, this one, but these are two uh, flyweight fighters who certainly certainly bring it. Not the prettiest record for uh, Royval, but uh, he's had some he's had some exciting fights in the uh, in the UFC. All of his fights have been finishes, whether he gets finished or his opponent gets finished. Uh, there, there's a lot of finishes when when the raw dog Brandon Royval uh, steps into the octagon, started off his UFC career. Uh, with two wins, he's now on uh, a two-fight losing streak. Had that weird uh, shoulder injury back in November of 2020 to Brandon Moreno, who a month later uh, fought uh, uh, Davison for the first time. Obviously, we got that trilogy upcoming. Then lost to uh, Alexandre Pantoja. Pantoja is a good fighter, so yeah, you know it'll, it'll be a good test here, a good litmus test to see where Royval is in the division against. Someone who's a little, a little bit lower in Hajerio Bontarine. Uh, he'll be four inches taller, only have a one-inch reach advantage. Uh, Bontarine's a big guy. 
He is a big flyweight. Royval is definitely a uh, a thinner flyweight. Bontarin, uh had he, he was coming into his last fight with two losses. Got picked up the win over uh, Matt Schnell. Um, basically a coin flip fight as far as I'm concerned. I don't have a, a, a whole lot of um, uh, crazy opinions on this one. Roy Vol's the better striker statistically. Bontarine gets hit more than he lands. Uh, but he is more active. He is more active on the ground. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to go Brandon Royval and we'll go... We'll go round two finish, because Royval's average fight is uh, about a little more than six and a half minutes. So we'll go round two finish. Could be could be a submission, could be a knockout. I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to officially put that out there just yet, but I think I think he finishes him in uh, in round two. All right, moving on. Uh, still on the main card, uh, as far as I know. I mean, who knows the uh, the order of these fights uh, uh, today? But we got uh, Caitlin Chukagian taking on Jennifer Maya. Uh, Caitlin Chukagian with one of the worst nicknames of uh, all time, uh, Blonde Fighter. Blonde Fighter. I would be embarrassed to have that uh, nickname. There's 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 nothing that you do well, or there's nothing as noticeable about you as your blonde hair. So that's what that's that's what we call you. You're the Blonde Fighter. I mean, we don't we don't say you're the sniper. Because you're you're long and, and accurate with your punches. I mean, there's no you're you're so nondescript as a, as a fighter that we just reduce you to your hair color. That's that's what you are. You're the, you're that fighter who's blonde, just like probably fucking forty percent of the fighters uh, in the company. Or I, I don't know, I don't know how many blondes there are, but certainly certainly a common thing. Um, Chukagian's going to be the minus two hundred favorite. We'll take a look at the North Star Sports rankings. And we'll have Chukagian at number two, Maya at number four. Uh, obviously, Chukagian's going to be taller than anybody she fights. She's 5'9". She's got uh, a five-inch height advantage, four-inch reach advantage, four-inch leg reach advantage uh, against Jennifer Maya. Uh, I don't think that really matters. Uh, Chukagian, I don't think she uses her reach as well as she could. We've seen that uh, in the Andrade fight where she got caught with a, a punch to the body. We, we've seen that, obviously, in the Shevchenko fight. And we've seen Jennifer Maya have some success against uh, Shevchenko by pressuring her and moving forward and getting in her face. So if Chukagian ever developed a really uh, stiff jab, I think she'd be pretty good, but uh, her her ground game is not good, and her striking is probably better than average, but people definitely can get on the inside of uh, of Caitlin Chukagian, as my computer just has a fucking brain aneurysm. So, uh, I think I'll have to go with the underdog here, Jennifer Maya, uh, just because uh, I, got, I got to assume that she's going to try to pressure her, maybe take her down. I would, I would love her odds. Uh, if if she uh, secures a uh, a takedown, and even if even if they're striking, I mean she'll I, I think she'll pressure her uh, well. I don't know if a finish comes in here because you're talking about two fighters who uh, whose uh, average fight time are, are just a, a shade just a shade under 15 minutes. So we're we're probably in for the uh, the entire fight there. Um, I'll go Jennifer Maya by decision. I, I think she, uh, I think she gets it done. 
All right, moving on. Still on the main card, we'll have uh, a fight in the lightweight division between Dakota Harry Bush and uh, Vyacheslav Slavoklaz Borshev. Two very, very interesting uh, nicknames there. Um, I am interested in this fight, though. I am interested in this fight legitimately, and it's... uh, it's not because of Dakota Bush. It's definitely because of uh, Borshev. We saw him have that uh, really stellar uh, appearance on the Contender Series against Chris Duncan, where he he knocked him out pretty good, pretty good in round two. Uh, definitely seems like a uh, character. Seems like a really, really high level uh, striker. He is 30. Um, trains out with uh, Alpha Male, so I think that's a that's probably a good. Um, a good matchup if you're a great striker. Go there uh, and, uh, and and learn how to wrestle and whatnot. Uh, same with AKA, which is kind of funny that it's AKA American Kickboxing Academy, and it's you know a wrestling wrestling camp. Um, taking a look at the odds for this one, if I could find it, uh, Borshev is the minus one ninety favorite. Uh, I don't believe. Bush has fought in the U. No, he has fought in the UFC. Excuse me, because uh, he lost to uh, Austin Hubbard back in April. Really, not a whole lot to go on here. Um, Austin Hubbard is is a uh, you know he's an average fighter. He's an okay fighter. So uh, we know that Bush is not uh, not above average at least at this point. I like Borshev. I think he's going to strike him up, and I would imagine he probably gets the finish uh, midway through the fight. We'll go round two. Uh, round two knockout for uh, Vyacheslav Borshev. All right, moving on to the main card opener. Should have a great fight here between senior perfecto Bill Algio and Joe Anderson Brito. Uh, this fight taking place in the featherweight division. Uh, Brito is going to be the slight minus 145 favorite. Uh, Britu, another guy who had a great uh, appearance on the Contender Series back in August, won uh, via that, that kind of strange technical decision against Diego Lopez. Definitely was winning that fight. Very exciting fighter. And I like the matchup here because Bill Algio has been in some good fights as well. He's not a guy who's af- afraid to throw down. Relatively tall guy for the division at uh, at six feet tall. He's only going to have a one inch reach advantage over a guy he's four inches taller than. Uh, lost his last fight to Ricardo or Ricardo Ramos. Ricardo Ramos. Ricardo Ramos. Um, and he's uh, one and two. One and two in the UFC. Also fought uh, Ricardo Lamas. Got a win over Spike Carlisle, who's definitely uh, an interesting character, the Alpha Ginger. Definitely gassed himself out in uh, in that one. But Bill Al- Algio is always always there. He's a he's a um, dangerous striker. We'll, we'll put it that way. But uh, uh, I, I like uh, I like in in this one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Surprisingly, Algio, uh, 6.37 significant strikes landed per minute, only gets hit with 4.87, which is pretty interesting because he's been in some slugfests. But I, I like I like Britu. It's always tough to pick a guy in his UFC debut, uh, especially a guy who's not considered like a blue uh, a blue chip uh, prospect. But I don't know. I, I'll uh, I'll go on a, on, a, on a limb here and, and pick Britu. All right, moving on to the uh, four-fight prelim here. We got a six-fight main card. 
prelim headliner is going to be in the uh, light heavyweight division. No, excuse me, the middleweight division. It's going to be between Jamie the Nightwolf Pickett and Ugly Man Joe Joseph Holmes. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely. I, I like I like uh, weird nicknames. I like mean nicknames as well. I, I, you know, I like that for Joseph Holmes. Ugly Man Joe. It's kind of like uh, in the same spirit as uh, Shoe Face, uh, Antonio Carlos Jr. Uh, taking a look at the odds for this one, uh, Joseph Holmes, the minus 155 favorite, picket 12 and 6, Joseph Holmes, 7 and 1. Uh, this is the debut for Joseph Holmes. Now, he did fight on the Contender Series this year. Uh, against, uh, now who was it? Shante Barnes. Uh, undefeated uh, since his uh, professional debut, which he dropped uh, to Jordan Newman in Bellator. Uh, his last fight, he knocked out uh, Jonathan Patti, who was on the Contender Series, boy, like two, two years ago. I believe Patti was the fight that got Jamie Pickett into the UFC because Pickett had been on the Contender Series twice before, came back for a third time against Potty, and uh, knocked him out. Uh, Jamie Pickett's powerful. He is powerful. He has good power, two-inch reach advantage, two inches shorter than Joseph Holmes. I actually thought Joseph Holmes had a, had a nice showing uh, on the Contender Series, and, and he, he got the win, he got the finish, but he... He, he didn't get signed. He had to go to Fury FC. But I thought he should have been si- signed. I, I, I really liked his performance. I can't exactly remember why I did. But I remember at the time kind of being slightly perplexed by that. Jamie Pickett, uh, really really not that good of a fighter. Uh, he, he has a win in his last fight against uh, Loriano Staropoli, uh, who was on like a three or four fight losing streak, got cut after that fight. Uh, so he's a, he's a guy who's one and two in the UFC. He's one and two in the Contender Series. So just uh, very obviously not a UFC fighter. If if that's your your record in UFC and or quasi UFC uh, promotions. So I'm gonna go with Joseph Holmes. I'm gonna go with Joseph Holmes. Uh, he had a handful of amateur fights as well. So the experience gap might not be as big as it looks when you when you take a look at their um, professional record. But, uh, you know, so long as Jamie Pickett doesn't get the knockout against uh, Joseph Holmes, uh, I'll, I'll go out on a limb and pick another contender series guy uh, in his debut. Again, could, could be wrong. Those are kind of dangerous fights to, to pick. But, you know, the betting, the betting odds have Holmes as, as uh, you know, slight to moderate favorite. So, yeah, we'll go with Joseph Holmes. Um, by round two or round three submission, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say he chokes him out. All right, moving on uh, to the, I want to say this is the welterweight division, the swelterweight division. No, it's actually going to be, oh, no, it is, it is. It is the welterweight division. The UFC's website is just smoking crack today. I don't know what they're, I don't know what they're on there. They're telling me the wrong divisions for every single fight here. Uh, but we'll have a welterweight fight here between Court McGee and Ramizad's, no, Ramiz. Brahimaj, that is hard, hard name, hard name. Um, 
Take a look at the odds for this one. Brahimaj is the minus 125 favorite. Court McGee, 20 and 10. Uh, he won the Ultimate Fighter, Jesus, I don't even know, a decade ago, nine years ago, uh, something like that. Maybe even longer, honestly. I don't even, I don't even know. Uh, Brahimaj is nine and three. Uh, kind of a tough one to pick here. I, I, I don't know, I don't know who I'm going with. Court McGee definitely on the back nine, thirty seven years old picked up a win in his last fight against claudio silva and uh that's a pretty nice win because claudio silva was on uh, a nice little streak there had a pretty gaudy gaudy record but he is just racking up the losses he had a three fight losing streak before that i mean holy smokes i mean he's lost oh boy seven of his last 11 if my math is correct going back to 2013 so uh, I don't know. The UFC the UFC likes him or something. I, otherwise, I'd get rid of him. Uh, Brahimaj, 29 years old, uh, got a, a finish against uh, Sasha Palatnikov. Uh, that was definitely a, a, a low-level opponent for uh, Brahimaj. Lost his debut against Max Griffin, who's on a pretty good streak. Uh, if I remember correctly, maybe he lost that 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 streak. But uh, no, Griffin's a Griffin's a good uh, a good fighter, underrated fighter. Um, so you know, Ramiz is trying to, to find some footing uh, here in the UFC. I'll I'll go with Ramiz. You know, I'll I'll look at the trends. I mean, the the, the stats are not in favor of Ramiz. They're definitely in in the favor of Court McGee. But you know, that's through the totality of of their careers. Uh, obviously, when you when you look at the last couple of years, things are definitely going. A little more Ramiz than they are Court, and he's a uh, he's a better grappler, better grappler as, as well through two fights. Maybe maybe that's way off base, but uh, uh, I'll, I'll go Ramiz by decision. I don't know if he gets the finish on uh, on Court McGee. Definitely a, a tough guy. All right, moving on to the second fight here on the prelims. That's going to be a let's see if the UFC lies to me again. Uh, nope, they are correct on this one. It's going to be a featherweight fight between Brian Boom Kelleher and Kevin Crash Kroom. Uh, two pretty uh, pretty interesting records here. Kelleher 23 and 12. Kevin Kroom 21 wins, 13 defeats, and one no contest. Uh, this seems like a match made in heaven. Just kind of like two two veterans of the sport with uh, not so great records and extensive uh, regional experience. Obviously, Kelleher has been in the UFC for, for quite some time, but he's been around everywhere for quite some time. Uh, Kroom is going to be 5'11", Kelleher much smaller, 5'6". Kroom will have a 7.5-inch reach advantage, which is pretty fucking crazy at, at featherweight. I mean, you might you might be able to see that sometimes at light heavyweight, but that is insane. Kelleher's got little T-Rex arms. Kevin Kroom's got fucking Slenderman arms. I mean, they're they're crazy. They go down past his knees. Um, we'll also take a look at the odds for this one. Uh, the odds makers do not give a shit about reach. They have Kelleher as a uh, pretty heavy minus 310 favorite, according to Odds Shark. And uh, as far as I can tell, that makes him the biggest favorite on the card. Uh, and I would have to agree, Kelleher is is a, a good fighter, uh, a guy who really takes on all comers. I mean, he's taken on some pretty good prospects, uh, some pretty good ranked uh, fighters in his day, and he's also just taken on guys, you know, just guys before. And I think Kevin Kroon would fall into that 
into that category. You know, it's not he's not facing Marlon Vera or or Cody Stamen or John Lineker uh, like he has in, in his past. Uh, he's coming off of a win against Domingo Pilarte, won that one pretty convincingly back in uh, the middle of August. Um, but you know, Kelleher, a well a well-rounded guy. I mean, he really can win uh, in any way he pleases. I mean. 35% of his wins are by uh, KO, 43% by submission, 22% by decision. So, I mean, relatively relatively even. So, I mean, he'd knock you out, choke you out, or, or you know, get the judges to win it for him. Uh, Kevin Kroon, pretty well-rounded as well. Both these guys' uh, most favorite way to, to finish a fight is uh, submission. So, might be in for some, uh, some grappling here. The stats are awful for Kevin Kroon. 1.3 significant strikes landed per minute. Gets hit with 3.2, which isn't, excuse me, which isn't a crazy high number, but that's a relatively crazy high differential for as inactive as those numbers are. Um, Two fights in the UFC has not won uh, either of them. The stats aren't amazing for Kelleher when it comes to differential. I mean, he gets outstruck by 1.1, but much higher uh, degree of difficulty for Kelleher. Uh, so I, I'm going to go Kelleher uh, by... I'm going to go by submission because Kevin Kroom has been choked out uh, a handful of times uh, in his career. So uh, we'll go Brian Kelleher by round three submission. I mean, he can be aggressive at times. Maybe maybe he's a little more patient uh, today and uh, gets the finish in round three. All right, we've finally, finally, I mean, it's, it's been such a long trip here through these 10 fights. We're finally to the uh, prelim opener. It's going to be, uh, again, in the featherweight division between T.J. Brown, downtown T.J. Brown, and uh, Charles Boston Strong Rosa. Uh, Brown is going to have a stellar record of 15-8. and eight. Charles Rosa, 14-6. and six. Take a look at the odds. T.J. Brown is going to be the minus 225 favorite. I I don't know why. I don't know why. That's uh, a little interesting. I'm not saying T.J. Brown's not going to win this fight. I'll get to my prediction in a second, but that's that's a little interesting. This is a guy who uh, came off the Contender Series. Uh, he lost his first two fights to Jordan Griffin and Danny Chavez. Got a split decision win back in May against Kai Kamaka the third a lot of people thought Kai Kamaka won that fight so arguably you're talking about a guy in TJ Brown who is 0-3 in the UFC Charles Rosa uh, obviously kind of uh, well at this point I'm a mainstay uh, in the UFC he's been around since uh, late 2014 and this is a guy who has flip-flopped every single fight in his UFC career so I think you know where I'm going with this he gets, he gets a, a loss against Dennis Seaver, comes back, win against Soriano, lost to Yair, win over Bokniak, lost to Burgos, win over Bermudez, lost to Mitchell, win to Aguilar, lost to Minner, win over Janes, lost to Damon Jackson. So he's due for a win. He's due for a win. So I, I, can't, I can't argue with that. Am I going to pick Charles Rosa to break a seven- or eight-year streak just because he's going up against a guy who's 0-3 in the the UFC? Certainly not. So, you know, the the pattern must continue. It's it's destiny. It's fate. 
and it's going to boost my prediction numbers because I'm going to go Charles Rosa by... I'm going to go by decision. He's not exactly a finisher. We'll go Charles Rosa by decision, maybe even split decision. He's been having... Uh, you know more split decisions as he as he gets a little older, but uh, yeah, we'll go we'll go Boston strong on this one. I mean that 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 pattern is uh, irrefutable. I can't look at that and and in good conscience pick uh, T.J. Brown regardless of whatever the stats say or don't say. All right, so with that uh, we've reached the end of this preview. Uh, should be an absolute banger, an absolute whaler of a card here. Um, be sure to check out our website at northstarsports.media. We will have updated rankings uh, pretty quickly, pretty quickly after this uh, this fight card because there's not a whole lot of uh, rankings to adjust. So uh, be sure to look out for that. Uh, be sure to check out our uh, NFL uh, playoff preview podcast and the, uh, the NFC North recap podcast uh, I did with uh, Reagan Hooverman. Uh, might have another uh, episode with him coming up uh, on uh, Wednesday, next Wednesday. Um, but yeah, with that, again, follow me on, on Twitter, Owen Ely, M-N, North Star, M-I-N. Leave a, a five-star review uh, or or however they do that. I don't know. Is, is there a 10-star review? You, you do it out of 10? Just whatever the highest review is, be sure to, be sure to give us wherever you're uh, tuning in. And uh, with that, thanks for tuning in, everybody.